0: Hi, my name's Zach. This week on Upstream, we talk about courage, humility, and perseverance, spiritual manifestation movement, talking to kids about race, the child immigration crisis, March Madness, and loving transgender people. Hi, welcome to Upstream. So glad you're joining us today. (laughs) Pastor Chet, if you can not smile so intensely. No, that's very... No. An- Cherry is very every angelic. Week,
1: every week you start, she goes... <laughs> <laughs> this is a
0: natural smile. <laughs> I, th- I thought it looked very natural. <laughs> All right. Yes, I'm
2: losing it over there. I'm good.
0: Yeah. Well, we are glad you're joining us today for this edition of Upstream. Uh, We're going to be discussing this past weekend's teaching from Acts chapter 14, Acting and Courage part two, as well we'll be answering some questions that have come in. If you have any questions, you can text those in to 949-301-7300, or you can email to email those to us at, at org. You got it out. I'm it out happened. Yes. I can't wait till you mess up in this <laughs> edition and I'm going to give you such a hard time. I mess up all the time. I'm going to give you a lot of fodder. Okay, great. <laughs> Good. Well, um, I'm going to open up us up in a word of prayer and then we'll jump in. Lord, we're so grateful for your word and for the time we have to discuss uh, the things that you've put on people's hearts Uh, the questions they're facing in their daily lives and doing the ministry that you've called them to do, reaching their world, uh, their families, their communities, their neighbors. Uh, God, would you use this time and uh, would you use us for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great, so you had split up Acts 14 and we did this two-part series on... Uh, courage taking courage having courage uh, anything that you want to say before sherry gives her input on the teaching i'd like to go straight to sherry i actually wanted to also i just wanted to give you a a
2: great message i thought the the specifics of settings and situations and practicality of when and where and how to uh, let courage have its way in our life. It was a really good message. Um, I thought the last two weeks, um, your, your preaching was just, um, I don't know, very directive, very very clear. Um, not that it isn't sometimes, but I particularly thought the the emphasis on courage. We live in a world where we think we're all courageous and in truth we're not. Um, And as believers, it is extraordinarily important to to lean on the courage that we have in Christ. So I thought it was good. Yeah, Sherry, it's interesting. The Lord's really been laying on my heart
1: the challenge to lead our church into a kingdom culture. And I think some of that is being felt with even your comment of being directive um, and clear. And part of that, I think, is me having the courage to communicate to our culture that we have a responsibility to be holy. And be holy means to be set apart, to be different. Um, and I really believe what Acts is teaching all of us is there is a different lifestyle for those that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And it involves a boldness and a courage, a strength and a stamina, a perseverance. I know we're gonna be talking about perseverance today. A perseverance to preach the gospel and make disciples. And um, we see in Acts chapter 14, I mean, probably one of the greatest examples of courage. Uh, and I just love to highlight, Zach, courage is not the absence of fear, hmm. it's just the willingness to trust God for the strength to do what he's asking us to do. And I emphasized that probably about three or four times uh, this past week, introduced it the week before. Mm-hmm. And I really believe what happened was people felt a little freedom because I think fear was, uh, uh, the presence of fear was almost lying to them as if they weren't courageous. And uh, we had a class just, uh, uh, one of our our Thursday night, Tuesday night class, and one of our gals, she's uh, close to, she's over 70, and um, she was just talking about how she realized that, you know, it's, fear is not the problem. It's her willingness to fight the fear and act in faith to what God's calling her to do. And then she said, then she said later in class, she said, I've realized people want to hear the gospel. They're not going to reject me. So I'm just telling everybody I see and plant seeds here and plant seeds there and people want to talk. And I just
0: thought, man, that dog hunts. I I, I want you to share that at church. Hmm, For sure. That's great. Uh, Anything from, so just by way of review, uh, your five points, Pastor Chet, were the courage to show humility, the courage to show grace, the courage to face your fears, the courage to persevere, and the courage to set an example. Anything from any of those points that you guys wanna highlight for anybody listening?
1: Yeah, the one that really ministered to me was the courage to show humility. And that's difficult in the heat of a battle where you've been personally wronged. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's a major point of conviction for me, um, the courage to show humility. Uh, and it's like I said on Sunday, and it's true. Humility is a weapon. It's a nuclear bomb to the, to the enemy. He just doesn't know what to do with it. It just scatters every imp from here to Timbuktu. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I really have purpose since Sunday... Uh, and even the preparation of this of the message, to really
0: have the courage to show humility. Hmm. That's great. Anything from you, Sherry, that you would pull out? No, nothing particular. Well, great. Well, we have lots of questions that have come in, so we'll just transition into some of those. This first one: What is the difference between the heart of Matthew five sixteen and Matthew six one through four?
2: Well, let's read the scripture. I was going to say, read it so people know what, what uh, they say. I'll get Matthew 6.
1: Or
0: why don't you do both since you'll be right a page apart, Zach? Yeah, I can grab them. So those verses were Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, and then Matthew 6, 1 through 4. So Matthew five sixteen is, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In Matthew 6, one through four is, "'Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds "'before men to be seen by them. "'Otherwise you have no reward "'from your Father in heaven. "'Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, "'do not sound a trumpet before you "'as the hypocrites do in the synagogues "'and in the streets, "'and they may have glory for men. "'Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward.'" But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly.
1: Uh, Comparing the two scriptures in my mind, Sherry, would be like comparing apples and oranges. Um, It's uh, two different directions in regard to um, uh, the way that we live our life So every way that we live our life should glorify God, and one of those ways, and maybe this is where they're both fruit, um, one of those ways is that when we're doing something uh, charitable, when we're doing something loving for someone, we shouldn't go make an announcement. Hey, look what I'm doing over here. Hey, everybody, you know, I'm going to go give some food to my neighbor. Um, So I just think the two are one describes the other, I would say, but really a little bit more like comparing apples and oranges
2: two different contexts, yeah, I think in Matthew five the context is is fear of of, of men, fear of what somebody's going to say about you. The context in Matthew six is really uh, kind of selfish ambition the The issue here is both of them are good works, but one of them is you know we're we're, we're looking um, to, uh, to offset fear of disapproval and the other one we're looking to seeking man's approval. Yeah. So one we're looking to offset it and the other one we're looking to get it. In all mm-hmm. cases, the purpose, and you mentioned this, is for God to get the glory, period, that's mm. just it. Whether somebody looks down on us while we're doing it and or we want them to look up to us, in both cases what we wanna have is a motivation and a purpose of, of giving God the glory. Yeah. They're not in opposition to each other. They're just in a different setting. And I think Matthew
1: chapter 5, 16 is a little definitive. Um, Jesus has just given uh, the Beatitudes. And the context is, let these things shine out of your life. Humility, a mourning over sin, being a peacemaker. Let these things just be meek, shine out of your life. Those things give
0: God glory. Great, great. Uh, Can you define personal excuse me, can you define perseverance biblically for me? When I think about it, I think about gritting my teeth and just showing up, but I'm not sure that if that looks a lot like Jesus.
2: I love the Greek word for, for perseverance or in some places it's translated endurance. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and, I, and, I, and I choose my words that I like because they sound funny coming out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, this one is hoopomeneo. I just love saying that. (laughs) Hoopo (laughs) moneo. Anyway, the concept of it is not grin and bear it or grit your teeth and bear it. Mm -hmm. The concept, though, is a heavy load. Uh, Someone's under the heavy load, but they're able to stand up and actually walk forward, make some progress. So when we talk about someone having perseverance or endurance in their life, it's a person who is is, uh, allowing God to assist them and the and the weight of the uh, the weight of the burden is not the issue. They can move forward. They can keep going. They have the 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 resources available to them to to keep moving forward. And and Mineo is used in so many places in our Bible for endurance and perseverance. Um, I was just studying in James one and love that it shows up there is that the culmination of our joys and, or our trials and, and tribulations. They're, they're supposed to culminate in upomeneo that, that we have perseverance, and then perseverance develops our character. So it's a great word.
1: Yeah, and I'd just like to add to that a scripture. Um, it's Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Um, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So perseverance involves me trusting in God to help me get through that's a little bit more than grit and bear it that's a faith that says holy Mm -hmm. spirit you'll empower me to do to get through this um and he says we are hard pressed on every side here's the persevering concepts we're hard pressed on every side yet not crushed we are perplexed but not in despair Persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. In other words, I keep going. What Sherry was saying, I've got this heavy load, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to persevere. But then listen to this: always a caring, always caring about. I sounded Italian. Always a caring about, always <laughs> caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. So there's a spiritual goal as we persevere, not to grit and bear it that we display the life of Christ as we persevere. And so uh, when Paul was praying for the church in Colossae, he said, I pray that you long suffer with joy. And so not only is it that we persevere, mm-hmm. it's that we can long suffer or persevere or endure
2: with joy. It's not just get through something. It it, it speaks to your attitude while you're going through it. Where's your reliance? Back to you know the Fair concept point. of relying on, on God's spirit to, to, to get you through. It's not just, whew, I made it. Yeah. It's what was my attitude all the way through.
1: And I think having others, and, and let me just, I'll read this last verse, Sherry, because it, it just complements what you just said. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. So there's a motivation, I'm gonna walk through this, I'm setting an example, but my goal through this is to think of you. I'm mm-hmm. not just getting through it myself. I'm getting through this so that as you watch my example, you'll see the life of Christ in me, and you'll be encouraged, you'll be mm-hmm. challenged. So my mindset is: oh,
0: I have to get through this. My mindset is, I'm doing this for you. Mm. Great, thank you for that clarity. What things do you know for certain are things we need to complete as a church? So I don't know if I understood this question.
2: As far as complete, like, what's the mission of the church? You mentioned, and I think it was your very last point, uh, something about completing the mission of the church. Right. Um, I, I'm going to make the assumption that this person is kind of saying, so, so what are the essentials? What do, what do we got to get done? There we done? go. So go ahead. Um... And and as I thought it through, I, I thought of Matthew twenty-eight, uh, 18, 19, 20 you know, that, that our 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 job that we dare not drop the ball on is the Great Commission. And that we understand that the Great Commission is more than just disseminate information that we're we're not only sharing we're providing opportunity for them to become full-fledged, grown-up disciples, uh, demonstrating their faith in Christ and then replicating it all over again and doing so all, all over the world. So if I were going to answer that, I would say the things we need to complete are the items that are listed in the Great Commission. Amen.
1: Yeah, I, um, I have to be humble enough. I'm going to be courageous to be humble. Um, I got such a wonderful email from a dear saint and the Lord had really spurred her to be baptized. And I was in the pool when we were doing the baptism, and uh, I um, preaching on making disciples, baptized them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. After the baptism, I really felt prompted by the Spirit to open it up to the church. But there was no mic, and I looked at the time. And I thought to myself, uh, and also I thought about last year and I didn't want to replicate something that the spirit did, Mm -hmm. you know, just because. Mm -hmm. So I decided to move on and not offer because of those things. Well, sure enough, this precious woman emailed and said, Hey, the spirit was prompting me, you know, and she blamed it on something else, which wasn't anything what I was thinking. Um, But I was so convicted by her email because here I am preaching on make this, you know, baptize them in the name of the Father. Mm -hmm. The Spirit prompts me and she wants to get baptized. And because of no mic and time, you know, and we didn't put, we don't put a mic down by the pool any longer. You know, we don't want to all get electrocuted down by the water. (laughs) A mic almost rolled in one time. So it's, you know, it's like, okay, so we went to a stand, we went to, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so there's some real practicality in not having had, had a mic. But I really was convicted because to complete the mission, it is baptizing people. And the Spirit prompted someone, I want to be faithful. So I was talking to Zach today, hmm. let's keep it open every Sunday. It's warm I'll get waiters and I'll just slip right into waiters. Whoever wants to be baptized, I'll just wait in the water for them and we'll go from there.
2: Hmm. I think that if our church can grab hold of the responsibility individually towards the the great commission, our food truck concept will just explode because people will not be able to not you know there will be a double negative there they 're going to be so energized, wanting to share the gospel that that you know the the church will explode. I was looking Sunday uh, just making a mental note there were like 50 60 70 more people than there were the week before mm-hmm. and i was i was sitting there going lord next week let's get, get us another 120 on top of that and mm-hmm. people i didn't know people that i didn't recognize there were some new or some mm-hmm. some folks returning which is great too but it was also great to to meet some folks that you know yeah we're new we're in the area or this or that it's just i th- i think when we see the real reason we do church mm-hmm. Then, then there's an excitement associated with. We're going to spur you know, each other on towards
1: love and good works. Yeah, and get hey, the mission done. Hey, I led done. this person to the Lord. Hey, I led that person to the Lord. Hey, well, I heard you guys, and I went and you know, it's just it's what naturally will happen when sheep start reproducing. And Sherry, I I really want to give glory to the Lord. God is doing something with this month of fasting in our people and I'm seeing a newfound boldness of faith that I've always answered, you never know why you fast until you do. And I'm just so overwhelmed with joy about the stories I'm hearing of faith, and I'm looking for the fruit of of this fast with Easter. Jeff told me that um, we've been increasing 20% every Sunday since we opened. Mm. And I'm just looking forward to people that love Jesus and The thing that blesses me, the 20% that we're increasing, they're coming to church three times a month. Our average was one time a month. This group that's coming and watching online, they are there every Sunday. They want to be there. They want to be there. That's great. And I'm excited about that.
2: Yep, me too.
0: That's awesome. This next question, I struggle accepting compliments and have been told that it is out of insecurity. I heard you talk about giving glory to God and never taking it for ourselves. Are you saying that me not accepting compliments is actually a good thing? Uh, That's a great question. No,
1: I wasn't saying that. (laughs) Um, I'll tell my daughter, Selah, all the time, you are so beautiful. And she just so wonderfully responds, thank you. And it's a just a she receives the compliment it's not like a you know i'm it's going to my head it could go to her head i don't know but she really does receive it well and very gracefully what i'm talking about is when someone compliments you go the step further thank you and i give god the glory for you seeing him in me it's just giving god glory I also agree, not being able to send, uh, receive compliments, um, that could be another spiritual issue on another side. And so having the confidence, Paul was very confident. I'm an apostle. I know who I am. My confidence comes from Jesus. That's why I give him glory. So receiving a compliment is not the problem. receiving a compliment is not the problem. It's what you do with it that can become the problem.
2: Yeah, I, I, I made some notes and said the the Eeyore in so many people sometimes is almost getting to the place where it 's a prideful thing you know um but what we what we want to do is receive and reflect we want we want to act like we got a big mirror, you know mm-hmm. thank you very much, but I'm it because it 's because of God, mm-hmm. you know I appreciate you noticing that. Um, the Lord's been really faithful in my life, or, or any number of things you might say. But receive the compliment with a, thank you, appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But I just have to say that, you know, that was, that was the Lord. He prompted, he this, he that, or whatever. Yeah, the Bible's full of compliments and commendations. Jesus gave compliments
1: to the church before he gave his, you know, recommendation for change. And so I, I, would, I, would, I like to change to a biblical word, encouragement. I think what people do when they give a compliment is they're purposing to encourage. Receive the encouragement and give glory to God.
0: Great. Uh, Next question, I've known someone for years who is always making the assumption that her favorite celebrities that have passed away are giving her signs from their graves. I know without a doubt that this cannot be true, but I just kind of humor her out of respect. She thinks because she loves them and prays for their souls because she's Catholic that they are saying hi to her. I'd like to let her know from scripture how this cannot be true, especially when these stars are not even Christians.
2: I I had to grin kind of when I was trying to to work through this one. I I I found a, a website: six signs from the universe that your loved one is watching you. <laughs> would you Would you like to know some, some of those? I would signs? love to know them. Sure, I tell you would. Uh, okay. Well, you would expect that you hear a special song playing at random times that was you know in your lives. Um, you see them in your dreams. Okay, you you recognize a, a familiar scent. All right. Um, th- this one, this one was pretty good though. You see butterflies,
1: hmm.
2: and I couldn't see the connection there. Um, well, new li- so dead yes. in a cocoon raised to life. Oh, okay, oh good connection. Great. Go. <laughs> um, here's one unusual electricity a- activity around you. So because no- poltergeists are static electricity, or I don't know. This this one though is my favorite. If you find feathers. Wings, angels' wings. He's, he's very good at connecting these. <laughs>
0: things. Yeah. That's his website, actually.
2: <laughs> no, <it wasn't>. Wow. <laughs> Turning the page and thinking about some scripture here. There we go. Um, Leviticus is absolutely chock full of passages that this person could use. Um, I might reference them. Um, Leviticus 19. Actually, in Leviticus 22, do not turn to mediums. You will be defiled. Um, you Set your face against them. Uh, ultimately, they were to be stoned. Um, and in Deuteronomy, it talks about this is a, det- a detestable practice of consulting the death or consulting the dead. But having said all of that, this this sounds more like a, a love and care and, and gentleness with this person would be a, a great way to respond to their, you know, to talk about why is it that they're feeling the need to have these connections. Um, and, and to, to bring them into a, an accurate picture of what heaven's going to be like and, and what mm. eternity is going to be like and what relationships in eternity might be like. That might be a positive way instead of just nailing them with the scriptures about don't, don't, don't. Um, so I would encourage this person to to spend some loving time talking about what eternity mm. really is going to be like. So my first unfiltered thought was
1: medication. <laughs> if I could be honest enough to say, uh, it's disconcerting that you're hearing voices from um, dead stars. Um, secondly, I would refer them to Luke chapter 16. Jesus gives a story to help us explain a little bit about what happens in death. And remember what Hebrew says, there, we have an appointment with death and then we have an appointment with judgment and everyone has an appointment. There's a set date and time where we expire and take our last breath. Jesus helps us grasp a little bit about what happens, and we have um, the rich man and Lazarus, and both of them die. The rich man gained all of his goods on earth, and then he was put into hell, and he was left there. He was not saved, and that's the indication. Mm. He wants to come from the grave to go tell his brothers, you don't want to come here. And the answer is no, there's no way for that to happen. And so there is no way for a, um, someone who has died to come back and talk to you. And Luke chapter 16 explains that. However, we see a medium experience in the Old Testament mm-hmm. um, and we see a ministering opportunity in the New Testament. And the Old Testament, it's Samuel. And the debate is, was it actually Samuel? In the New Testament, it's Moses and Elijah. And if we remember, it was God that buried Moses. And Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind. And so the question is, the question is did they actually die? Um, and so we've got to be careful because there are talking spirits. There are spirits, demons that are not confined to hell. They, rule, they reign and rule over some parts of the earth. Now, the Lord conquered the enemy on the cross. He destroyed the works of the enemy. And when I say rule, they have their own like leadership, they've got their own ways, and there are some here in South County, and they have a tendency to speak and to whisper things that are not true. They lie and they deceive. And so we've got to be careful because we know they can speak from the scriptures. Remember they spoke to Jesus and mm-hmm. they also spoke to the seven sons of Sceva after Jesus. And so speaking spirits are a grave concern, especially unsaved speaking spirits. And so I would be careful with mm-hmm. any hello from someone who is dead that is, was not a believer.
2: Praise God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world.
0: Yes. Mm. Amen. Amen. Uh, next question. I have a family member very intrigued by the popular spiritual manifestation movement. As a believer in Jesus Christ, how can I have a love-filled and truth-filled conversation with them? Um, yeah, I, Jesus is
1: full of grace and truth. 100% grace, 100% truth. They're not opposed to each other. It may not feel like it's graceful no matter how loving you are because if someone is stuck in the muck and mire of let me say false doctrine um, you're going to first have to go to the Lord in prayer. Secondly, you're going to have to trust the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say like he promises
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, when you confront this person but rescue them. I would look at your family member as someone who's drowning. You would not look at a drowning person and go, I'm going to leave you there because I want you to know I love you and I'm afraid that if I swim too close, you'll feel upset about the fact that I'm coming too close or maybe I might splash water in your eyes. So I'm just going to let you drown. I think that's the most loving thing to do. That's preposterous. Right. We, Paul, left Titus in Crete to set things in order. And the first thing he left to set in order was sound doctrine. This movement is false doctrine. And uh, I think um, one of the leaders of this movement early on was a guy by the name of Benny Hinn. And uh, he even wrote books that were heretical that were pointed out by evangelical Christians as Benny You need to repent. In fact, I've been to one of his spiritual movement. uh, uh, I've been to two or three of them, actually, when he started out in Orlando uh, and then when he was in Fort Lauderdale. You're braver than I. Well, (laughs) it was amazing when he announced that Jesus was going to show up on the platform with him tonight. That's extremely disconcerting when Jesus points out, they will say, I'm here, but I'm not. And so... Um, I never, I very rarely will call something out and I don't know where Benny is today in his doctrinal statements. And so I need to make that clarification, but the Benny of yesteryear was part of a movement that was heretical. I mean, telling tongues, uh, using tongues to tell jokes and the whole audience is laughing in the holy laughter movement. I know you've got some other examples.
2: Yeah, I, I, I was, uh, was looking to see what kinds of things got included and there was a whole host of of very interesting behaviors that were, uh, one of them we were laughing about earlier was birthing. Uh, You you contort yourself in a a fashion as if you were giving birth and groan and moan as if you were actually physically giving birth. And
1: barking Um, like a dog. And I mean, there were things during this holy laughter movement that swept through the church uh, a couple decades ago that were extremely disconcerting. Mm. Um, And one of the things I think we need to be guided by is the work of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit is to glorify Jesus. That's that's what he does. He glorifies Jesus. He always operates in the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So anytime a body is out of control, like gyrating on the ground or you know, uncontrollably laughing. There should be some concern in the heart of a believer that this is not the spirit because the spirit exhibits self-control. And so that's important to recognize. We have got to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. In the great believer service that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, let a prophet speak, but he's subject to the prophets. He or she is subject to the prophets. In other words, he can't or she can't say anything that's contrary to the word of God. So if the word of God says that doesn't exist, but you say, now it
2: does, we got a problem. Well, in 1 <laughs> Corinthians 14, it, we're given the instruction to to do things in an orderly manner too. Mm-hmm. Um, chaos is not uh, the, the pattern for the New Testament church. and I, I think it's very dangerous because it lends itself to a, to a, a freeing of your emotions. You know, mm-hmm. a, a let it all go. Um, That's a great thought. Sherry. And 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 when when we are mixing up our emotions w- with our spiritual expressions, not that spiritual expressions do not include our emotions, but when our emotions are going rampant uh, and 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 without constraints and without controls and without decency and order, then then we're 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 allowing a part of ourselves to to just lack total self-control and you've already made your point that that's the fruit of the spirit so this is this is dangerous and it and it lends itself to um to a very self-oriented self uh grandizing kind of expression in the spiritual world and i think we have to be careful very careful Mm -hmm. um human beings
1: love the mystical that's why paul had to write i don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things You can't say Jesus Lord and do all this stuff. In other words, when he's saying that, he's communicating, not say Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord of your life, you're going to do things his way. So I don't want you to be ignorant of his way. So I'm going to detail his way in regards to the spirit. And so um, extra biblical, mystical things the church should always be leery of.
0: I think I have maybe a follow-up question on this. Um, One of the things that I think has been trending more recently just in regards to uh, like a manifestation of willpower and that kind of thing is something that's very popular. I think especially... among younger believers. Um, And I just wanted to read, just in case this is where the question's coming from, uh, the definition and wondering if you guys have some thoughts on that. Spiritual manifestation is the theory that through regular meditation and positive constructive thought, you can make your dreams and desires become reality. So it's something that's been made popular by Oprah. It's something that um, I think is even... Um, in conversation and encourage, well, just think the right way and you'll be in a better place and that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I'll emphatically say Oprah has become
1: the high priestess of humanistic religion. Um, and so what she says has got to be right. But I am sad to say, Zach, unfortunately, she didn't originate this. The church did. It was called positive confession. And this was a movement in the faith movement, in the spiritual movement of things, where there were people preaching that if you um, believed with all of your heart, if you trusted God and had the faith, whatever you commanded, it could be. Mm. And it grieves me to this day, the way that people would take the word of God and manipulate it to get wealthy, it was the health wealth doctrine, um, and uh, we had a book that was put out, the prayer of Jabez, that was really exaggerated in regards to the intent of the author, um, and it was just it it ran rampant through the church. And so, Oprah, you know, she's not the originator, though she is the propagator in regards to the humanistic religion. Um, we have to remember something. Jesus made a statement, and if we're his disciples, uh, we're going to be like our teacher. He said this, um, birds of the air, uh, birds have nests. uh, uh, Oh, gosh, help me out. Um, Birds have nests.
0: Foxes have holes. Foxes
1: have holes, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lie down his head. Thanks, Zach. Mm -hmm. There's an attitude of the believer of contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And contentment is found when I'm fully satisfied with Christ and what he has for me. And the pursuit of believers should be contentment, not health and wealth. The pursuit of believers should be a satisfaction in Christ alone. He's preeminent, according to Colossians. So let that be our pursuit and not fame, fortune, and finances.
2: Or the arrogance to think that just because I think it strong enough, long enough, and in the right way, that I I have the power to make it happen. That arrogance really, um, you know, distorts completely the the concept that Christ is supposed to be on the throne of our hearts, and we worship Him. We we spend our whole life trying to bring glory to Him mm-hmm. rather than glory to ourselves. Absolutely, I, I do believe that there's an advantage to having a positive self-talk to, to say to yourself, uh, you, you know, don't be over, your message about courage. In fact, I just wrote about it on, a, about on course. It, it, you know, the, the whole concept of changing the narrative in your mind. Yes, you have fear, but you can continue to move forward. The narrative can be, yes, there's fear, but I am going to continue to move forward. But when we get to the place where we think we control it, that we have the the whammy within our own being to think the right thoughts and think them powerfully enough and therefore i'm going to change the reality around me that's putting me on the throne and moving christ off and that's a very dangerous place to be i have noticed a lot of the millennials when they're on social media something bad happens they'll ask people well could you pray or send me some of your power some send me some of your good thoughts and I almost always want to write, what are my good thoughts going to do? Hmm. You know, I will pray, I will ask, but what, you know, I don't have the whammy. Mm-hmm. There is an arrogance associated with that that's scary because the heart of it is Christ isn't on the throne, you are.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, it's, I'm glad you pointed that out, Sherry. Paul, when he was writing the church, he said, look, I want you to think of whatever is lovely, whatever is pure. Whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Think on these things, meditate on these things. I've got to remember in context, he's trying to solve a problem between two people at the church. And obviously, they weren't thinking too great of each other. Mm. So he's communicating hey, guys, um, let's go more towards the positive when it goes to people than go to the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really is a great definition of love. Love bears hopes, believes, endures all things. And so I'd rather go the way of love, he says, than just stay in this argument and fight. But the application, we really should be thinking of positive things, not dwelling in the negative. And I always say this, we should be redemption thinkers, not problem thinkers. And so I think that uh, being a redemption Mm -hmm. thinker is a great way to
0: look at being positive in my mindset of view in life. Great. Thank you, guys. Uh, Next question. On Sunday, I saw an Asian dad and his son standing on Aliso Creek Road with signs that read, Stop Asian Hate and Racism is a Virus. It was just the two of them and was, I imagine, spurred on by the shooting last week and anti-Asian violence being on the rise because of covid This is the same street corner where tons of people stood months ago in support of Black Lives Matter. I thought about what this dad was teaching his son. As Christians, what should we be teaching kids about race, theirs and the races of others? Do you have any resources that would help me navigate this? Um, So there is a book called
1: Bloodlines written by John Piper. um, And it's won some awards. I've not read it through Um, But he does have some great concepts in there about dealing with the fact that um, the bloodline of Christ consists of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Um, And so I would check that book out. Coming as a partial recommendation because I've not been able to read it through as a good resource.
2: That was John Piper. John you Piper. Mentioned? Yeah. The reformed writer. I I was just wondering if I had the right You can't throw the baby name. out with the bathwater. I, I, I just want to make sure I have the you right. You can't the, throw the, the water, baby out. The right. With one okay. of, one of his
1: quotes is one of my lifetime goals. Um, he says, uh, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied with him. I, I love that quote. I'm just harassing No, you. I know <laughs> I deserve it as much as I've been on the other uh. side. Um, but I'd like to take us to Ephesians 2 as a good resource. There were two divisions that existed and they existed because of God, the Jew and the Gentile. God established the division. Then he broke down the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile and the church emerged. If God broke down the only walls that he put up, then our responsibility is to follow like manner with the walls that we have put up and break those barriers down. Sherry, I have three black children and I had a goal in my family to end racism. And that goal was not realized because I I adopted black children to realize that goal. I had three kids that had a need of a mom and dad while we were living in Africa. And the Bible says, take care of widows and orphans. So we did. When we got back to the United States of America is where we faced racism from both black and white. And the comments were unbelievable. Sure. It was when we got back that I realized for my children and my family, I'm going to end racism. Because color doesn't determine anything. It only details a race that you're a part of. Your character determines who you are. Whether you are black or white. Whether you're Asian or Mongolian. Whatever uh, persons you are, whatever race you may come from, there's a truth that we've got to let our character Let people determine who we are. But as individuals, we should break down the walls of racism. And I think it's a first recognition of, am I and do I have any racist tendencies? Well, I'm not a believer in cancel culture. I'm a uh, a believer in recognizing our history and moving forward from it and learning from it. Um that's so key. if we cancel it,
2: we may not learn. I wasn't sure exactly what the heart of the question was. Was he asking did he do did we think this was a great way for this dad to influence and train his child you know by participating in some sort of, of protest, or whether he was was saying, um, you know what are what are our responsibilities as parents? In, in training our children as it, as it relates to, to race. And the, and the first thing I would say, he, he has as much uh, right to stand on that corner and hold his placard up as anyone else does for any other topic, including race or social injustice. Um, so whether there's two there or 100 there, and regardless of their color or background, we can support and celebrate the fact that they can do that because it leaves us open for us to do that on topics that matter to us. On the second part of the question though about training his son, that may not be the best way to train your child. You know, racism is a learned behavior. Kids kids don't don't have it on their own. I've spent the last 40 years of my life with children and I can tell you unequivocally they do not have They don't come out of the womb with a racist bent. They learn that behavior, uh, both in their home and in in the various ways that kids pick up stuff. I laughed not too long ago at a cartoon, uh, or a video, rather. It was a couple little kids, I'm gonna bet, preschool. One of them was a a sweet little guy with blonde hair and and blue eyes, and another little kid, about the same age, a little black boy. And they um, they had connived with their parents to get their hair shaved off so that the teacher wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Because in their mind, the only thing that stood out in their in their appearance that would sh- hmm. let her recognize them was the length of their hair. So if they both shaved their heads, now she wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Going from there to to a a, a, a society like we're we're being confronted with and in our modern era is, is, is learned behavior. They learn it. So parents have to be intentional. And that's they have to they breaking down the walls. They have to be intentional from the time they're young to celebrate the differences, to celebrate the cultural differences, to, to talk about why that person looks that way or eats that thing or does that kind of behavior or has that kind of, of choice. And, and allow that child to grow up in an environment where they recognize there are differences, but those differences are celebrated. And from a spiritual standpoint, how could we do anything other? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. We have a creator who, 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 who put his imprimatur off of his ring, his signet ring on us, when he says we were, we were created in his image. We, we, di- we dare not as believers do anything but tear down the, the divides. And we have to remember, Sherry,
1: Jesus said, Go into all the world. He knows exactly where he's saying Christianity breaks down racism. Um, my son started school in an all black African school. He was the only white kid, blonde hair, blue eyes. You could find him in a heartbeat in his class. And in the entire school of close to 800 students, never one day did he or the kids in his school class say anything about his whiteness or he about their blackness. It was normal. It just was. And you are so right. They learn it. And... um, I can say living proof on the other side where we were the only white family in the entire school that maybe we should follow the example of what Jesus said and have the heart of a child in regards
0: to the the racism issue. That's a great word. Uh, next question, what could a Christian response be to the current child immigration crisis at the border? Is there only one option, or could Bible-believing Christians have different responses?
2: I think there can certainly be different political views. We could look at the situation uh, politically different and have some justifications for those, for those opinions. Um, but from a standpoint of, you already quoted it, James one twenty seven, what, what real religion is, is caring for the orphans and widows. Uh, I, I think that, I, as this person's called it, a Bible-believing Christian should have an empathetic response to, to suffering, period, uh, regardless of the political policies uh, that, that, are, that are causing, or not causing, or exacerbating, or not exacerbating, depending on your viewpoint. Um, I'd love to see the church respond in, in all of the appropriate practical ways. Um, I was reading an article this week about they were trying to, to um, farm out a lot of those kids into the foster care system, but the foster care systems think so much in in so many states they don't have they don't have couples mm-hmm. to farm them to. Well, there's something. How about the folks in our church raise their hand and we have a, a vibrant. Uh, a ministry in that regard already. How about we get 20 more families that'll make themselves uh, go through the system and be available as foster parents? Or how about as a church, we load up a, a wagon or two and head down there with basic supplies that, that might be necessary for those young children, whether it's diapers or clothing or food or water or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I think there's a response that can happen regardless of your opinion about how we got to where we're at and and the response response could be uh, from a, from a loving heart just because somebody's suffering.
1: Yeah, I am personally disgusted that um, people think this is a political issue. These these are children, um, and I've been busy about trying to find a way for us to minister. Cool. Um, and. We may, have, we may be close to an answer Good. Okay. Um, there are laws of the land and I'm a firm believer in the laws of the land but there's a situation that um, it would be unbiblical not to take some form of action to minister effectively and uh, I've been looking for a small little church somewhere down there that we can partner with and be able to minister uh, in that regard. Um, That doesn't say I believe in illegal immigration. I understand. Doesn't say I'm a Republican. Doesn't say I'm a Democrat. I understand. It says there's a crisis of children. When I lived in Liberia, children were dying for nothing. They were not even worth a dime. And warlords were letting them die on the battlefield. And I was so angry about it, I went and I rescued kids. Now, were those kids wrong? Were those kids killing? Were those kids murderers? Absolutely, they were. But they were pawns in the hands. And how dare we allow this to be just a topic of conversation and allow us to be political pawns for conversation on one side or the other. These are children's
0: lives. Let's be busy about doing something. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Next question, is it okay for believers to bet on sporting events? No, it's not.
2: Get out of town. It's March Madness. Come on. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm sure that, well, I'm not sure. I can
0: imagine that's connected to someone has a pool at work, and you fill out a bracket, and you throw in $20. I am currently
2: leading the pools that I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Oh, gosh. (laughs) No money is exchanging hands, but... but, uh, Pride is being, you know, addressed. Um, you know, here's 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 my my personal take on this. Um, if if someone um, is is um, is involved in in what I'll call uh, gambling, where they're taking money that should be spent uh, in a in a in a balanced household of. Of cares and needs, and and exploiting, uh, not exploiting, uh, not allowing the money to be spent in an appropriate fashion, gambling it away. The answer is it's wrong. Period. It's wrong. Um, we are told how to deal with our money in the scriptures. We're told what to do with it, where our priorities are supposed to be. But um, we all waste money on something. Um, and uh, whether we're wasting money on a, a movie ticket uh, or we waste money on I don't know whatever else people waste money on uh, you know having a, a, an opportunity to to uh, to uh, you know take a square in a in the in the office pool and your two dollars got you that square and, and if the team wins you get the ten dollars that comes out of the pool. My personal opinion is there's no crime there.
1: So you and I are going to differ on this one. Okay. Um, I think. It's not the first or last time. I know, right? <laughs> um, I think. And maybe not in regards to. First of all, I don't look at a movie ticket or um, going out for dinner uh, or spending time and spending money to do that as uh, even in the. Kind of the same realm as gambling. Um, gambling is something that's specifically talked about in the word. And um, we, in fact, I did just a little quick Google search and I've got, you know, a uh, hundred Define or-
2: ga- gambling though.
1: Well, let me finish. <laughs> 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 Fair um, enough. And for me, It's the heart. And so I'm going to differentiate what you're saying about the $2 with your little square and the whole deal um, because I don't know if I'm going to look at that as gambling. I'm going to talk about the heart. When the heart is greedy for money and wants to get money quickly and do it in a way that swindles someone else in some way, shape, fashion, or form, that I believe is what the bible is addressing in regards to betting on a sports team so i'm going to use chance to get money
2: the verse uh, which will support your what you just said whoever this is ecclesiastes whoever loves money never has money enough whoever love's wealth is never satisfied with his income. this too is is meaningless that 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 drive to have more to have more to have yeah, more was it to Get, your point Getty has said how much is
1: not enough yeah, you know it's like well there's it's never ne- enough there's never enough. you know I always want more that you know' his famous quote um, and so I think what i'm addressing where I may differ a little bit is is the heart issue and where I don't see going to a movie, and this is my personal opinion, where I don't see going to a movie in relationship to, because the heart is, I want to go spend time with my family, I want to go spend time with my, you know, my wife, and I'm going to pick an appropriate movie that doesn't lead me down a sin direct, sinful direction. Right. Um, in fact, time and I, we were trying to find a movie the other night to watch, and he knows we don't do any rated R, and I don't let him rated R, and he goes oh, that, that movie's great. It was rated R. And I go, excuse me? Okay. He goes, Dad, I watched the preview. I didn't watch the movie. I just think it's great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> quit Oops. back, I know, quit Oops. backtrack, right? <laughs> uh, and I trust him. I do trust him. But I think it's the heart. And there is chance and there is faith. And I feel that chance is the perversion of faith. And where I put my faith in God and I trust him for the outcome, I'm putting money in chance so that I personally benefit. And I'm gonna take from you, now I know it's mutual, I know everyone's in to get and grab and you know the whole deal and everyone's made the agreement that we'll all get. But when I look at the fruit of gambling and we've got Gamblers Anonymous even the world knows that the initiation of gambling can lead to severe problems, marriage issues, family issues, children issues. And so I think when the heart has rooted in it, the love of money, the Bible's very clear warning about it. So I would say don't do it um, only because uh, I think that it's like, do how much pot do I smoke before it becomes a problem and I go a little bit deeper?
0: So I'm gonna put the practical question on the table. So your pool at work is 20 bucks.
2: It's okay to do it or it's not okay to do it? So, here, 20, like what 20, if, 20 bucks is too much for me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste it. Uh, two bucks I would do. Okay. And he wouldn't Great. do it at all.
1: No, I didn't say that. <laughs> If, if it's about being on the team and the heart is, we're just doing something together, make it fun, and it's one of those things, I don't have a problem with that. Okay. What I have a problem with is what the question is. I'm going to bet on a team, a hundred bucks, and I'm going to start the gambling thing, and I want to gain some, I'm going to gain you know, out of this. It's not like I'm going to gain team and I'm part of it. I'm getting money out of this. That's gambling. When it's a team thing at work that we're just all doing to have fun and be a part of it and have conversation, I don't have a problem with that. Now, 20 bucks would be way too much for me. I'd rather send 20, 20 bucks in Liberia could feed I don't know how many people. So I, I would rather default that decision and let my money go towards kingdom
0: than I would put 20 bucks in. Great. Okay. All right. You both set the limit below $20.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. This, uh, last... There's
0: the legalistic this response. Pharisees are arriving. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, guys, I'm not the one who picked the number. Oh, guys... yeah. Okay, our last question. I have a young friend who is identifying as transgender. How can I respond like Jesus?
2: Hmm.
0: You
2: want me to go first? Yeah. Well, I... I wrote down in my notes um, fast and furious, love her. Um, Take an approach that is a reflection of a kind heart, not a Bible-thumping, let me tell you where you're wrong kind of perspective. I do appreciate what Chet said earlier about if someone's drowning, we need to tell them the truth, but I would say this, this particular issue is so emotive. It is so tender. It is so personal. It's so at the root of who someone is that our that, that my specific re, re, re response is here's, here's how I think Jesus would respond. I think he would love her. I think he would, uh, would want us to pray for her. And then, um, uh, allow kind and gentle conversations to take place where the holy spirit can bring personal insight and hopefully conviction about who they are a- again according to god's original design according to the the truth that we were all born male or female and allow that to, to develop over time in a in a meaningful conversation but i would respond with a great deal of tender, kind, gentleness, uh, and allow some time to build a real relationship because it goes to the core of who someone thinks they are.
1: Yeah, and I I wanna put it in context. We were speaking about a spiritual question to a spiritual person. Don't be afraid to tell the truth. Oh yeah. This is someone, and I love Paul's approach, you remember in Acts chapter 14 when he was speaking to godless people, he led with grace and gave them truth. Lead with grace. Yeah. Don't see the issue, see the person. Lead with grace. God has been good to this person, Paul says, right? Then when we was speaking to the church, he led with truth and it was mixed with grace. And so I think lead with grace, build relationship and get to a place where you can get to the heart of the matter. Because it is dealing with their emotions, like Sherry said. And mm-hmm. what, what I'm finding in our truthless culture is more and more confusion. Mm-hmm. Transgenderism this, and the identity issue, to me, is the result of there is no truth everything is relative and it's creating confusion Mm -hmm. and so confusion is the heart of the matter, truth will always be the answer but getting to the heart through grace will help you express the truth in a way that's palatable for them to grasp and understand Um, being the moral police has never worked great for the church being a moral agent
0: always works well said Great. Well, thank you guys for the conversation, input, and spiritual insight. Uh, We're glad you guys joined us today. Uh, We look forward to seeing you on Sunday in person or online. Otherwise, we'll reconnect next week in our Upstream Thursday evening. God bless you guys.